We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nukhami, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of my very own beauty brand, Carmela Cosmetics, and business consultant. This is We Are Women, Beauty Redefined, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast features different women whose names you probably recognize. You've seen them, been following them, and might even think that they've always had it together. Listen in to hear the women you know and love share their journeys with self-acceptance and self-love, discovering their unique beauty and confidence in a society that for so long has focused on exemplifying a specific beauty standard. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night and we are women, beauty redefined. I am so excited to have Julie Rothschild Levy on the podcast today. Julie is a mom, wife, and comedian who I first discovered a few years ago on Facebook and became an instant fan after I watched her first impression. It was Sunny and Sharon, by the way. And then went on to share them with my family and friends. And we ended up becoming friends on social about a year ago. I continued to be a fan of hers and got her on the podcast today. So during this interview, Julie shares how she got out of her shell the first time she performed comedy and why she stopped performing for 20 years after she got married. Julie spoke about her past struggles with depression, a darker time in her life, and how she was able to use comedy to get out of herself and help get through life's challenges. Julie spoke about the importance of sharing our stories, helpful advice she got from therapists when she was going through depression, and shared her own advice for women who are going through depression. Julie also spoke about how she got back into comedy after 20 years, where the inspiration from her skits come from, and how it's never too late to discover what you love. I cannot wait for you to hear Julie's story, learn a lot, and be inspired. Young Julie was actually pretty shy. <laughs> um, I I really didn't realize that I had a comic side to myself until I was older, but I did love performing every now and then in front of family. So um, I had that in me. Often I do it with my sister. We'd sing songs from our grandparents, and um, and that was cute. But it wasn't until I was in sixth grade that I realized how much I love performing and I love the stage. And that's when I landed the part in my elementary school operetta called Cinderella. I was Cinderella. So young Julie was confident and I just got so much out of being on stage. It was the first time I think that I was really praised um, for my abilities because I, I was like an okay student. I wasn't great. And when I was on stage and performing, it just opened up a whole world for me. Wow. So is that when you came out of your shell? Because you said you were shy when you were younger. So was that sixth grade play the moment that you just found yourself? I think it was the start. I really do. And it, it was the start of my love affair, shall we, um, with, with performing and I went with it. I went with it for about 20 years in different formats. And then I didn't do any of it for 20 years. So that's uh, a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. So starting in sixth grade, so you went on that for 20 years. So what exactly did you do? 
Okay. So after sixth grade, um, and once I got to high school, I got very active in my synagogue. I grew up reform and this is, it's like, um, I, I don't know how to categorize it within Judaism, but it's, it's not Orthodox. <laughs> um, so it was, it was more secular. But I grew up with a very strong Jewish identity, and my synagogue had like a youth group, and we would put on musicals every year. So I was cast as um, different, different characters, and my favorite, absolute favorite, was playing Edo Annie in Oklahoma. And that really was the first time that I performed comedy on stage. I was maybe 16 years old. Ado Annie's an amazing part. She's Southern. She's kind of dumb. <laughs> it was so much fun to play it. So, and then in college, I was on like this college TV show, which was a comedy special up in upstate New York. I grew up in Minneapolis, so I, I jumped around a lot. And then, um, and then by the time I was towards the end of college, it started to slow down. I did some improv and then it stopped. Did it stop because you were becoming religious or? You know what? It didn't stop. <laughs> it didn't stop. It kept going for a few more years. I just remembered. Um, so when I, the first time I moved to Israel, I, I was on a kibbutz and a kibbutz was sort of like this socialist, um, old school Israel collective <laughs> living experience. I did some singing there, so I, I kind of kept going. And then when I went back to, um, to college, I um, actually, after college, I moved to Jerusalem. This is going back many years, so I'm, I'm trying to get this sorted out in my head. And in Jerusalem, I did English-speaking community theater, and it was also wonderful. We even went to um, Northern Ireland and performed in a theater festival there. So now I'm going to say that after that, right before I got married was the last time I performed for 20 years. Wow. <laughs> there so we go. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what happened to make you stop performing or did anything happen? Right. So it wasn't anything I planned. Um, I did get married. Um, I met my husband in Israel. We moved back to the States we were there for seven years, and at the time, we had started to become more religiously observant in Judaism. Um, so I just, I was busy having kids, and I was busy changing my lifestyle, and then we moved back to Israel. And this whole time, I was so caught up in life that performing wasn't something that, that was on my radar. And it really went on for about 20 years. Wow. So where like where life happened, right? Life happened, kids, we moved back and forth between Israel and the States um, twice as a family. Wow. Okay. So you had a lot going on pretty much. Yeah, I did. So I just want to say before we get into like how you got back into comedy and how that has helped you get through life's challenges and others as well, that I, it's so funny because when we first started following each other on Instagram, and I mentioned this to you um, earlier, but I had been watching you perform in this uh, Jewish women's performance group, I guess, right? Like they were singing and, yeah. and it was, there's this one, um, I guess, comedy performance that you did with your friend with Sonny and Cher. 
And I have to tell you, that was amazing. And I shared it with all my friends. My mom loved it. She's about your age. And um, and then when I saw you on Instagram, I'm like, she looks so familiar. Like I know that. I, and then that's when I realized that I had been watching you for years before the Instagram days on, on Facebook. And it was so fun to like reconnect. I mean, for me, because you, you didn't know who I was. I mean, until you started following me, but um, for me to like put two and two together, you know, um, so, so you did get back into comedy and you have this incredible talent for making people laugh and forget about their problems. And I would love to hear how it helps, how comedy helps you get through your life's challenges and, um, how you got back into it. Okay. So I was going to wear my share wig, but, um, you know, I thought <laughs> that it was really tangled up, so I didn't want to take the time to brush it out. <laughs> um, yeah, so life's challenges. Here we go. During those 20 years, really when I wasn't performing, and like I said, there were a lot of life changes. I was going through major life changes. Um, like I said, uh, moving countries, uh, becoming religious, and conflicts that arose in close relationships because of that. Um, and it, it affected me a lot. And I found myself suffering from depression. And I want to just put it out there that still mental health struggles are something that I'm so glad that the stigma, stigma is lessening. And I really want to contribute to that in the Jewish world. Um, I, can, I can chalk it up to postpartum depression, but I think it was brewing before. So I found myself really sinking. Now there are two types of depression. I mean, there are lots of different kinds of mental illness, but there's low functioning depression and high functioning. High functioning is you can still go about your daily life and do whatever you've got to do and yet you're suffering inside. Low functioning is you can barely get out of bed. That was me. So it was very difficult to be in that particular situation, especially with a family. So um, thank God I had a lot of help. I went through a lot of therapy, medication, all kinds of methods that I've used um, for healing. And, um, and it wasn't funny. I really didn't feel funny during those times. And I remember the first time I took medication, it was very, very difficult for me to do it. And there's actually a prayer <laughs> Uh, a Hebrew prayer for if you have to take medication. And I remember holding the pill in my hand and I said the prayer and it was the first time that I, I felt like I could do it. So it did start to make positive changes in my life. And I remember my kids said to me, there was at one point, I think we put on some music and I started to get silly. And I said, mom, you're back. So it was coming out of that darkness. Now, unfortunately, I had relapses, etc. Um, but I think how it helped me, um, how comedy has helped me is, first of all, it's helped me get out of myself. Because I think when somebody's in a depression, they're so into themselves and they can't help it. It's not like you can just snap out of it. Come on you know, get out of bed, come on, you know, put on a happy face. It's, it's very difficult. And one of the tools, actually one of the things that really happened in my life that completely changed my life 
was when I decided to go to medical clowning school. Not sure if you've heard of it before, but medical clowning is um, actually really, really big in Israel. I think Israel is the number one country for medical clowning. And when I was at the end of my pregnancy with my last child, I have five kids, thank God. Um, I, saw, I was right behind a bus and I saw this billboard for medical clowning school and something Something like clicked in me. I was like, clowning. Hmm. I wasn't sure I could handle the medical part, but the clowning part really appealed to me. And I went and it was an intensive study program. And we were taught how to go into places where there are people in distress, like hospitals, nursing homes, battered women's shelters, special needs, kindergartens. And we were given the, the skills to go in and just try to bring some light to the darkness. You know, nobody wants to be in the hospital, right? So uh, we were able to go in and really see the person, not just their diagnosis, not just them as a patient. That was also very healing to me because I was in situations, I was in places where people were suffering and um, it just helped. It helped me to take myself out of myself and to give to others. Wow, that's so beautiful. It really is. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what they say, right? Even from like a, a Jewish perspective, it's that when you give to others, you you really get. So right. yeah, so okay, so so you started performing and doing um what's it called? Like performing as a medical clown? Like is that how you say it? Basically, um, I also was a party clown, so I did some birthday parties. <laughs> And I gave workshops on how to incorporate medical clowning uh, concepts into your own life through the fun aspect of it and also the psychological aspects. So it really enriched my life. And I think putting on the pink wig and the red nose and the colorful clothing, it really just reconnected myself to that fun side of me that had really been buried for so long. I think as women, I think as mothers and as wives and as members of the community, um, any community really, it's so easy to lose ourselves. And I really think I did. I think I lost my, I lost a lot of myself in all of those changes. And it took me a while to get back, but, um, but I got there. Wow. So when was the moment that you realized that this was really feeding you? And helping you, you know, get move through different challenges that were coming up. Okay, so I think also, in addition to the medical clowning, what you had brought up was this Facebook group. So I got on it, and it was it's it's it still exists. So it's for Jewish women who can sing and dance in in kind of like a modest way, where it's only for women. So once I started getting into that, Carrie Barcone, who's like a huge um, phenomenon now on social media, on TikTok, especially here in Israel. So she started the group and she had a challenge, an impersonation challenge. So I thought, hmm, this sounds fun. So I started to dress up as different singers like Prince and Madonna and Britney Spears and it didn't, you know, 70s rockers. I had a blast and I got such amazing feedback. <laughs> so that was going on in my life at the same time as clowning. And it just, it was like coming home. It was like, this is a part of me that 
evaporated for so many years. I mean, I was probably silly here and there with my kids and uh, making jokes, but um, but it was like I said, it was really coming home for me. Right. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I mean, it's obvious that it was coming home for you because you're so good at it and natural. You would always get so many likes. You're one of the most engaged accounts on that Facebook group. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was it was really, really fun. And I met a lot of people, actually people who I consider friendly today in different countries I've met. It was a wonderful start to to social media. I mean, social media, without social media, it, you know, who would, who would know me? <laughs> you know, I mean, I've done, I've done community theater and I love the stage. I love, love, love the stage, but this was a different outlet. And especially during all the lockdowns with Corona, you know, we're all festering at home. It was, I needed that outlet and I was so excited to find it in Facebook and then Instagram. Right. So then you started uh, doing like not only performing other people and impersonations, but you started coming up with your own little skits. So that was kind of new, right? Yeah, it was. And I I started by rewriting songs, like doing parody songs. And mainly I did it for the pandemic. And then I saw like that kind of thing came kind of easily to me. And, uh, and then as I got the hang of Instagram and making reels, at first I would just, at first I didn't do anything I think very exciting. I just went with whatever the trend was. And then, um, and then I saw other, others on uh, social media doing their own thing. Other Jewish women, comedians like Zaya, like Zavid Rosenblum, who you recently had on, and Leah Forster. And I thought, you know what, like, I don't have to just do these trends. I can do my own stuff. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Isn't it interesting how we get inspired by seeing what other people are doing? It's, it's such an important thing to remember that we could inspire others by putting ourselves out there in our own authentic way. You know, I think that's, um, I got to the point, especially when after all of the um, challenges I've had with depression and anxiety that I couldn't have talked about it really when I was in the depths of it. But I think coming out of it, uh, I realized that as difficult as it is, it is to speak about it. And, um, and it's very, very personal, right? It's, it's very difficult to share something like that. I knew that as soon as I did that, other people would perhaps want to speak out as well. And every time I put myself out there, I get DMs, I get emails, I get messages like, thank you for saying that. That's me, but I'm not brave enough to say it. So we have to share our stories. Of course, when we're ready, you know, you right. have to be at a yeah. place where you're ready to do it. But we need to because we're human. And especially depression is so isolating. You, you really feel so alone. And I think I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but somebody who's really been there can really only know what that feels like. And yeah. they're not alone. Nobody is alone, really. It might feel like that, but you're not. Yeah. Do you have any advice for women who are going through depression? So uh, 
Listen, I'll tell you what helped me. First of all, was having um, a really understanding family. I think it kind of runs in my side of the family. So there were family members who were very well-versed in what this is like and how to care and how to get yourself help. So that was, that was very helpful. Um, also having friends who understood and who understood not to take things personally, like if you just couldn't show up at an, at an event. I, have, I had one friend who came over and got into bed with me and just like held that space. I think find people, even if it's just one, even if it's two people who can literally figuratively hold your hand and you know they're there. And finding the right therapist is really, really important. I did years of psychotherapy. I did CBT. But then I did a different kind of therapy. I'm not even sure it has a name, but we got to the real, real kind of root of the matter. And that's really when I felt like I was healing. Um, you can you can go to talk therapy for years. You, you can. And but you have to find what's right for you. Medication can help. Not for everybody. And sometimes it starts working and then it stops working. I think nutrition is important. Healing your gut. It can be very overwhelming when you're in a depression to even know where to begin. I think what's really, really helpful in the beginning, first of all, it's a huge step to say I need help. It's a huge step to even go to that first therapy appointment. I had family members making the call for me. I just couldn't do it in the beginning. And I remember one therapy session I had, and this sticks with me to today. And she said to me, just do one thing today that brings you joy, even if it's just having an ice cream, just one thing that will make you feel even a little bit good. And it's okay to have joy in your life, to feel something happy and still, de still be depressed. <laughs> you know, that's okay. Yeah, it's true. There is a whole part. I think that people feel like they can't allow themselves these small things or like, what, like, what's it going to do already having ice cream? But the truth is, is that things build on each other and it's important to give yourself those little gifts. I'd like to add that I feel like for me, when I was suffering from depression, I was so hard on myself. Like I hated myself for not getting out of bed when, let's say, it seemed like the rest of the world was getting out of bed for, you know, taking a shower. And it was hard to do that. You know, just these things that we almost take for granted when somebody's in a depression, when they're in such a low place that that is maybe like what they can do that day, the feeling is, is horrible inside. One of the things that was also very helpful to me in therapy was to, was to forgive myself for being there. And a lot of times depression is going back in the past and dwelling on the past. And another thing one of the therapists said to me was, at the time you made the best decision you could with the knowledge you had. And that was also very healing for me. Like I, you can't go back into time, but you can learn from what happened and only go forward. That was also really helpful. I love that. I love that you said that because also it applies for so many things in life. Any regret that you have, you know, whether someone is clinically depressed 
or just in a depressive state or mindset mm-hmm. because of a situational of a situation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's my mom told me that actually said that to me once when I was really upset about something, I felt like I had made a big mistake. Um, and she said, you know, you did the best you could with the tools that you had at the time. And that I try to thank you for that reminder. Cause that is something that's so important. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I know that you, you rediscovered this comedic side of yourself a little bit later in life not really. I mean, you're still young, but I guess, I guess everything's relative. Let's, let's talk about how it's never too late to discover what you love. Okay. So I had my kids in my thirties and early forties. So, um, I really feel like I, I didn't come into my own right. And in, in terms of like really be able to focus on myself until I was older. So, um, I professionally, I was in international PR and I was a writer. I wrote, I got really into health and nutrition. So I wrote for American publications as a freelance writer. Then as I had more kids, um, I was doing editing, book editing. I found that as much as I loved it, I was always, I was always working on other people's work, you know, and it wasn't really my own. And it was easy for me to hide behind somebody else. <laughs> you know, it was safe. So, um, you know, I, I think when I got to social media, really, I was already in my late 40s. And a lot of people feel like, gosh, by then, you know, you should at least know what you're doing. You should, 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 right? That's <laughs> like the problem world <laughs> word. Um, the problem word, but I'm telling you, like, it doesn't matter. You you just, you're going to, you're going to evolve as a person, as you get older, you're going to have different stages of your life. So I think once upon a time, people thought, okay, you go to law school you become a lawyer and you're a lawyer the rest of your life. I think in our world, it's so dynamic that that is usually not the case these days. So I took being a writer, I took being an editor I took being able to write press releases and, you know, it's all communications. And I thought, okay, I can do this. I don't have to be behind someone. I can put myself out there. And it was a stretch for me because I am, believe it or not, I am still kind of shy. I don't like being the center of attention. I I am a people person. I I mean, I like to observe and I'm an introvert really. So one of the things about social media is I can just set up my phone and do my shtick and put it out there. And like, you know, there's, there's sort of a safety, like a comfort zone there. Um, but now that I'm in my early fifties, I'm 53 years old. I have to say, I feel like life begins at 50. (laughs) Um, I feel like these are the best years because, um, I feel like for, you know, if somebody is lucky, I, I don't feel like it's, we say, we have a saying in Hebrew, lema, which is like, may you have a complete healing. So there's sort of like this maybe dark joke that once you get older, you get into those years of, you know, may you be healthy. Um, so I feel like it's, it's this great time between, okay, I've raised my kids. I still have young kids, but you know, now I can, I can really look towards to myself and, and, uh, and put my, 
myself out there. Yeah. So I feel like a late bloomer. I think I'm a late bloomer. Right. (laughs) I love that. And, you know, you made such a great point about how it used to be that we would decide we want to do for the rest of our lives when we go to college and then you're expected to do that no matter what happens. Right. And it's funny because this is a conversation that I've had with numerous friends of mine in the past, over the past few months, I would say, because especially when you're in business, you know, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, essentially you're also in business as a comedian, you're going to be evolving and switching the way you do things and maybe adding some services, taking some things away, whatever it is. So you're kind of like switching what you're doing. And um, as we evolve and find yourself more and more, um, and I think we have to, we have to give ourselves the space to do that and, and not feel guilty about it because so many of us have this feeling of guilt, like, oh, I'm 30 years old. I should already know, like, I should be satisfied and be done. You know what I mean? Like career, but like, that's not how it works. No. And you will discover things about yourself if you're 30 in 10 years in 20 years that you probably didn't know were there. I mean, if you had told me when I was, let's say 30, um, I just became a mom that one day I would be, um, you know, doing reels who knew (laughs) what that was, (laughs) putting out myself out there as a comic performer, as a comedy creator. And, um, and now I'm writing my own show for the stage. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. So if you had told me that I would have been like, yeah, right. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't sound right. You never know. Keep your keep your mind open. And it's a journey and it's an exciting journey. It really is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What by the way, what what is what like where do you use your inspiration for your skits and and shows that the show that you're doing now, which is super exciting? Where does everything come from? Life. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, life can be very funny. And uh and and I find like that's a tool to get through it intact. Uh, I've been through a lot of changes. Like, you know, we said I I became religious. That's a huge lifestyle change. I've lived in Israel. That's a huge lifestyle change. I'm a mom to a large family. All of this, I find the funny. (laughs) I find the funny in it. Um, Culturally, Israel is so different from America. So things in America that just wouldn't fly are pretty commonplace here. I have to laugh because if I don't laugh, I'm going to bang my head into the wall. <laughs> Same with being religious there. I guess I like to take what um, our challenges in life, because we all have them and, and just see, make them lighter and you know, see the lighter side of it. I, I had so many difficult, difficult experiences, even becoming religious, even within myself you know, how do you make that identity change? And even who am I anymore? You know, so that's my inspiration. That's mainly my inspiration is just being able to look at life and challenges and experiences. And because we're all human, somehow I think people can relate to it. And that's what I also do. I'll I'll look at other creators, what they're making. I'll look for fun audio and then put my own twist to it. Right. Yeah, that's great. So it all comes from life. Yeah, that makes sense. 
<laughs> it does. Um, and I try to do it in a way that's not so offensive, <laughs> um, which is which is tricky with comedy. Um, I do I do make fun of or I laugh at, let's say, the American experience in Israel or Israelis, you know, trying to. I usually try to stay away from Israelis making fun of them because when I put my stuff on TikTok, most of my audience is Israeli because TikTok shows you, at least in the beginning, where you're located ge geographically. So I put something up where I was really kind of making fun of an Israeli mom and being kind of gruff and Israelis were like, whoa, you're giving us a bad name. You know, oh, really? this is exaggerating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were like really sensitive. So I was like, oh, my Instagram audience is a lot different from my TikTok audience. So I had to sort of, um, you know, adjust just to that. Right. I was going to ask like how you deal with that because, and that's something that I actually spoke with Zaya about, mentioned her earlier, um, about not offending people because that, that could, that's tough. It's really hard. And, <laughs> um, you know, for the most part, I would say 95% of the time, if not more, foot foo, you know, knock on whatever you want to knock on. Um, I, I think I've managed to avoid that uh, just because I, I feel like life can be funny without knocking people down. Life can be funny without... Uh, making, I guess, obnoxious comments about, about people and groups. And I think there's a concept in Judaism of, of, of really, what's the word? Um, there's a word, well, there's a phrase called derech eretz, which is, is kind of like, like be a mensch, you know, yeah. Yeah. like even in comedy, you know, think of the other person and how they're going to receive it. So I try to pull more from my own life experiences than, let's say, point my finger at others. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's it's funny because kosher comedy definitely has its own sort of um, challenges because you're not using swear words and you're trying not to offend people. You're trying not to gossip about about communities like it definitely is very difficult so kudos to you for for succeeding in this um niche okay so if you had one message to give over to the next generation of women what would that message be okay I think I'm going to go back a little bit to what I said which is remember that life is a journey you do not have all the answers now and who you are now is not going to be who you are down the road and embrace it and accept it. And I'm telling you, in our modern culture, there is all of this anti-aging. Now you're in the cosmetics industry, but this whole anti-aging business is, what is up with that? It should be pro-aging. We should be <laughs> aging the best we can. And um, so don't be afraid to get older. Just, I'm telling you, it, it gets better and better you will become more and more comfortable in your own skin and really be able to shine. Yeah. I love that. That was an interesting one, by the way, because we we've never had that. No one in all the 83 episodes that I've recorded. I don't think one person has said that. So that just added a lot of value. Thank you. Um, okay. Julie, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Okay. So you can go to my Instagram I'm officially Julie underscore comedy. 
Um, I had to restart my account about four or five months ago. It was very frustrating. Instagram disabled my account. I haven't gotten it back, but it's been a blessing in disguise because I like my account more than ever. And I still have um, my community there. People, it really, really is important to me, the community of followers I have who I call bubbles because <laughs> I really do like it's a term of endearment and that's how I feel. You can also find me on TikTok uh, at officially Julie underscore comedy. I hope to have a website one day. And like I said, I am writing uh, my own one woman show for women. <laughs> so I'm excited to, to put that out there one day. Love that. Yes. I'm excited to see it one day. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today, Judy. It was such a pleasure having you and hearing your story. Thank you for, sh for sharing your journey in such a raw and real relatable way. Thank you, Nahami. I really enjoy your podcast. So it is such an honor to be on it. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 